Hey, we are in a series for the next two weeks, this Sunday and next Sunday, called God Never Said That. There are some cultural ideas that we have, even, in a, even as a one-time, I believe, one-time Christian nation here in the, the Bible Belt South, some cultural ideas of things that God desires for us that He really never Said The first week we talked, we said that uh, God wants us above all else to be happy. But God never said that. It's not that he doesn't pleasure in our happiness, but, but it's not his ultimate desire. His ultimate desire is not that we would be happy, but that we would be holy and blessed. That uh, makarios, more than happy. The second week, we talked about inhabiting in the presence of God, and, and, and our inhabiting in God's presence would affect our habits in life, and then vice versa. So as we move forward in this series, um, last week we talked about God never giving us more than we can handle, and we addressed a specific scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 that 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 is taken from and it's really a misunderstanding or a misinterpretation of what the scripture actually says because we learned last week that God will actually give us more that we can handle so that we will learn how to lean on him in a whole new way this week is a little bit heavy okay that's just my disclaimer um, I could probably hang my hat my ministry hat on, on this message, okay? So I'm going to be really careful today not to soapbox myself all the way through this and make you walk out of here feeling worse than when you came in, okay? It's going to be a little bit heavy. And so just before we, before we get into the weeds here, I want to have a little fun. I, I just want you to look around. You don't have to say anything to anybody because I hate it when preachers do that to me. So I really save that for only when it's absolutely necessary. I just want you to look at the person on your right. You look to the person on your left, maybe somebody behind you, look behind you, just kind of look around, make eye contact with a few people, person in front of you. All right, so now I want you to point to the biggest sinner that you just looked at. Just take your finger and just point. <laughs> I like that. I've got some people going, it's me, it's me. That's good. You're headed in the right direction. That's what we, uh, I want to address today. We want to address the very serious, I believe, heretical lie and possibly the most dangerous thing about being in the Bible belt of the United States of America is that it doesn't matter how you live as long as you believe in Jesus. It doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anyone. Now listen, I believe that in Scripture, God shows that there are sins and there are consequences of sins. And that we see that in our culture, but somehow we have learned to ignore it. See, in, in the Scriptures, during Jesus' time, they had, a, they had a cultural value. Now, the Romans would call this the honor and shame principle. This was their value. All things were either honorable or are shameful. And they didn't define that in a biblical way, but that's how they defined it. And the Jews of that time, everything was about justice. 
Okay, everything was about justice and, and judgment. It was kind of that old eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth mentality. And so during that time, I could kind of make the claim that their cultural value was, was justice. And today, we have a new cultural value. In fact, it's shoved down our throats on just about everything that media has to offer. And that new cultural value is not justice it's tolerance. It's tolerance. Tolerance of belief. Tolerance of personality. Tolerance of preference and choice. And, and can I just, I want you to understand, I'm not against tolerance if it's defined appropriately. See, I'm not against accepting someone as they are. I'm just not for approving of their lifestyle when it's going to lead them to hell. That's, I'm for, except you come just as you, I don't care what you wear, how you act, your tone of voice, what color your skin is. Come on, somebody, because we're not trying to develop a country club here. We're trying to build the kingdom here, and the kingdom is going to look a lot different than what some churches look like. And our church should look like Walmart, because that's the community that we've been put in. Okay, so I'm, I, yeah, you know, it's, you can't go to Walmart without seeing somebody. Don't go in Walmart looking ignorant. You'll see somebody almost every time. You can't do it. I, um, never mind. I'm talking about tolerance being defined. You remember when tolerance, as a nation, tolerance was simply defined as understanding that all people have equal value. And I'm, I'm for that. I agree that all people, man, woman, child, ethnicity, race, all people have equal value. But we as a culture have taken that and we have twisted it into something that I don't believe our founders or our nation ever meant for it to mean, which is not tolerance of all people, but tolerance of all ideas. Tolerance of all behavior. In fact, it's tolerance that all ideas and all beliefs and all behaviors, they all have equal value. And it doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anyone and your intolerance is painful to someone that doesn't agree with you. So you can't share that. You have to keep it to yourself. We've even taken sinful terms things that Scripture would call sin, and we have rebranded them to make them feel a little bit better. Let me give you a couple. We have taken pornography and called it adult entertainment. We have taken a strip club and called it a gentleman's club. We've taken adultery and called it an affair. We've taken cheating and hurting other people and called it doing whatever it takes to get ahead and get it done. But listen, success is not God's greatest objective. People are God's greatest objective. We're in a culture where we used to be surprised by sin. And now we're surprised by purity. In fact, in fact... It's why we implemented specifically one of our small groups. But I don't have time to go through all of them. I highly recommend that you take the time to go through all of them and see where you may fit. Don't just leave these sheets empty. Pick one or ask the leader more questions. Sign up for one and they'll get in touch with you and explain. But one of them is a series called Conquer. 
where we're dealing with integrity and purity. And it's not that you come to it because you don't have any. It's you come to it because you want to keep it and you want to train your sons and your daughters to be able to continue in it as you have discovered it. So if you, listen, if you have a teenage son or an adolescent son or, or you have grandchildren that you would like to, you need to be at this Conquer series that you could learn why and how to have integrity and purity and how to teach it to the next generation because we've got to stop looking at one another as an object of our lust and learn how to treat one another as brothers and sisters in Christ that have value and integrity so that we'll stop subjecting and succumbing to the same old sin over and over and over again. I told you it was going to get a little heavy today. I can soapbox this. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. And I've actually been accused of this. We're going to read it. But verse 3 says, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers. And this is the part that I was accused of at one point. Will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. If you have ever, if you are listening online today, if you have ever accused me of being an itching ear preacher, you have obviously never sat in a meeting with me or listened to a sermon that I have shared in the pulpit. Because the only person whose ears I will be itching or tickling are my wife's. Everybody else is going to hear the truth because the truth is the only thing that's going to set you free. And if you can't handle the truth then Jesus will help you. He will help you just like he helped me. It's not itching ears doctrine. It's it's not we're trying to tolerate and accept. Why? Because sin has very real and serious earthly consequences. Very serious and real earthly consequences and possibly damning eternal consequences sin has earthly consequences like people suffer because of other people's sin i suffered because of my own sin and it has eternal consequences if not confessed and dealt with so today i want to give you three cultural misbeliefs about sin three cultural common misbeliefs about sin number one i'm not a bad person And if you're taking notes today, you can find our notes on the back of your bulletin. Or if you're a technologically savvy type, you can go to eunicechurch.com slash notes and you can pull the notes up there. Number one is, I'm not a bad person. And, And honestly, I know a lot of people who are not really living for Jesus that I could honestly say, man, that's a that's a pretty good guy. That's a that's a yeah, she's she's a great lady. I really, I really appreciate her integrity and her character. But that's just because I know that all good things come from above. And the only, only reason that we have anything good inside of us is because God gave it to us. So if I compare myself to other people, if I compare myself to other people, then yeah, maybe I'm not that bad. But if I compare myself to, listen, a holy and a perfect God of just judgment and perfect love. If I compare myself to people, I'm going to do one of two things. I'm either going to feel better about myself than I should, 
Or I'm going to begin to envy things that I should not. Because that's the only good that comes out of comparing yourself to people. Comparison, this is in your notes, comparison almost always leads to compromise. Comparison will almost always lead to compromise. You will either compromise yourself and never live out to your fullest potential because you keep comparing your gifts and your abilities to what other people are or are not able to do and you will undervalue yourself or you will think yourself better than you actually are because you are comparing yourself to the standard of other people. But listen to me, friend. Other people are not the standard. Jesus is the standard. He was perfect and holy. He was led to the slaughter, never made a sound. He was tempted in every way, and yet He was without sin. Jesus is the standard. Romans 3.10 This is actually an Old Testament scripture that Paul brought back and made sure to implement in the church of Rome. There is no one righteous. No one. No one righteous. No, not even one. And Romans 3.23 says all have sinned. At capital A-L-L, all. Every person in here has sinned. And I love to use this illustration If you have never sinned, or you think that you're not included in Romans 3.10 or Romans 3.23, then I want to make you this offer. I want you to go home today, and for the next three days, I want you to write down every thought that you have. I want you to bring it back to me Wednesday night, and I'm going to read your holiness out to the congregation so that we can learn how to be holy as you are holy. Every thought that you have between now and Wednesday night, because the scripture says, as a man thinks, so he is. So I want you to write down every thought that you have. I want you to bring it back on Wednesday night. I'm going to share it live on Facebook and YouTube with our entire church and make sure that we learn. Come on, you understand what I'm saying? Let me give you another, another illustration. If, if you would, let's just be honest. This again, kind of lightening it up a little bit. If you have ever told one single lie, even just one, would you just lift your hand right where you are? Look at around at all the filthy, dirty liars. <laughs> now, let me ask you another one. Listen, if you have ever taken, stolen, taken one thing that didn't belong to you, I just, just kind of wave at me a little, Okay. Now, listen, let me ask you one more. If you have ever one time looked lustfully at a member of that, you, why is nobody raising your hands? It's like, you're like, ho. It's like when I was 13, baby. I mean, I hadn't done that in a long time. I won't do that no more. Listen, James says if you're guilty of one, you're guilty of them all. And, and then, so watch this. And, and, and this would be the apologetics side of Christianity, the the explaining or giving an account of why we believe what we believe. According to Scripture and your own personal testimony, minus the last one that nobody wants to admit in front of everybody. Like, yes, I did that. I'm so sorry. On the way in here, I was like, oh, look at that. No, I'm sorry. According to Scripture, you are a lying, stealing thief who, who God said, Jesus says, to look at a woman is to lust for her, to, to lust for her is to commit adultery in your heart. So you are a lying, thieving adulterer. If we just look at those three. So again, I'm not a bad person. It's not a good way to look at life. 
I don't know about you, but it seems like my sin nature rises to its utmost potential when I am behind a steering wheel with my wife in the passenger seat. Specifically, those two things combined. Our biggest, most ignorant fights have come to pass with me in the driver's seat, her in the passenger seat, in Dallas or in Houston traffic. Both and. Fort Worth, we needed marriage restoration by the time we got to the other side on that. Listen, listen, I know it's funny, but that is a sin nature. Like, like just this week, I was pulling out a raceway. It's why I don't have like New Hope stickers all over my truck. <laughs> I was pulling out a raceway. Somebody was letting me out, and, and I'm always really careful because I know, hey, by the way, just take a mental note of this. Um, when somebody lets you out on this side, it doesn't mean they're letting you in on the other side. Like, if the traffic's going this way and, and you're trying to go left, like, oh, thank you. <laughs> on the other side right you got to make sure like be able to see what's coming in as well and so I did I eased out and I looked and there was one car coming I was like oh that guy's still turning and so I went to pull out and I don't mean to talk badly about you if you happen to see this or if you're sitting in here but this person came as he like stomped on the gas now I, I drove in New York for a little while I and mean, I've driven in big cities for a while. I was in Shreveport which is not a big city but it's really congested so you just kind of got to fit your way in sometimes and I learned how to do that so that's kind of what I was doing I'll admit I was like I'm sorry but I'm doing it anyways and so I went and he's like and he honked at me and I had Gabriel in the back seat and I didn't like swear or cuss or show him that there's only one way to heaven or anything like that I didn't do any of that stuff I just I pulled in but I was like you stinking and I said jerk or something like that and Gabriel's like why he do that daddy and I was like because he's being ugly and that's what ugly people do they're ugly and Gabriel's like <laughs> It's like, that was such a great moment. The Holy Spirit's like, hey, Chris, hang on. Let me get over this. We'll talk about it in a minute. <laughs> Listen, here's, here's why this is so important. Because until we see ourselves as a sinner, we will not recognize our need for a Savior. Until we see ourselves as a sinner, we won't see our need, our necessity for a savior and by the way you never get over it it's not something that you received one time and wrote down on a card and that we all celebrated at a water baptism which we'll have next sunday if you've never been water baptized just wanted to push that in there real quick if you've never been water baptized before come next sunday let us baptize you in water and follow in Jesus' example as a 30-year-old to come and and to be fully submersed in in water baptism but listen that stuff doesn't save you Jesus saves you. Following Jesus, not just confessing Jesus, but continuing in Jesus. That's really important. I don't believe that just because you confess Jesus one time, well, then why do you do it at the end of every service? Because I believe that when you confess, He's faithful and just to forgive. As soon as you do it, He's faithful and just. And I don't have to go back and look at every single prayer I've ever prayed and wonder if I did it the right way. I can just know that He is true to His Word. And when I confess 
Him as Lord and believe in my heart that God raised Him from the dead, I'm saved. But then I don't just get to confess. I have to continue in Him. I don't just receive Jesus. I remain in Jesus. Because I will always, come on somebody, I will always be just a little less than a, than a sinner that's able to cover some things up without my recognition of a need for a holy Savior that can fill me with His Spirit and put people in my life that will keep me accountable all the days of my life because I'm not a bad person I'm a terrible person without Jesus without Jesus but I don't continue to live as I was before I had him number two cultural misbelief is that all sin is the same and and if you don't agree with this and that's okay but I'm going to give you a, a biblical explanation of why I don't believe all sin is the same. Number one, and this, is in, this one's not in your notes, but John, the apostle, the beloved, the revelator, John wrote in his small books that are easier to read. John wrote, if someone is committing a sin that leads unto death, then don't even pray for them. If they're not committing a sin that leads unto death, then, then you can pray for them. But if they're committing a sin that leads unto death, then don't even pray for them. Well, what sin is that? Well, I'm not coming out to expose that today. That's not what we're digging into. All I'm saying is that John himself wrote that there is a sin that leads unto death that you don't even pray for. And then there's a sin that doesn't lead unto death that you can pray for. And so sin is not the same. All sin is not the same. Well, who are you to judge me? What I'm doing isn't any worse. And I will. I am encouraging you today. Don't judge somebody just because they sin differently from you. Because all unforgiven sin has the same consequence. Eternal separation from God. All unforgiven sin has the same consequence. So in that respect, all sin is the same. Jesus paid the same price for all sin. And so we should be just as convicted about taking something that doesn't belong to us or cheating someone out of a position as we are anything else. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that is the definition of sin. But all sin is not consequentially the same. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. That is the wages. All unforgiven sin has the same eternal consequence. And Jesus paid the price for all sin. But that doesn't make all sin the same. It doesn't make the consequence on earth the same for all sin. Another pastor shared a story. Apparently he was more patient than I in a vehicle. And someone, um, he pulled out and cut them off uh, very similarly to, to what I did, except for I don't think he did it on purpose, <laughs> which makes me even worse. I'm just <laughs> confessing that. But he pulled out and he cut somebody off and then, and, and he gave them like the universal s signal for I'm sorry. You know, he's like, I'm sorry. You know, you do that thing. I don't know. Today's culture, people are like, you know, but, <laughs> but he was, I'm sorry. You know, the holy preacher, I'm so sorry. And the guy... The guy pulled in front of him and he gave him the universal signal for I'm unpleased with you. You know, peel the banana. It says that's what he did. And and he was like, 
Well, then he lost his pastoral patience. And so he transferred all of his energy into his right foot. And he stomped the gas and he caught up with this person. And as he caught up with this person, he noticed that this person had the church's bumper sticker on the back of the vehicle. I know, right? You got to be careful who you flip off. It may be your pastor. <laughs> so he, he, he pulls up beside the person and, and he begins to roll down his window and the guy that had, you know, shot him the bird, he was rolling down his window and he looked over and he said the guy saw his face and he just turned white as a ghost. And he was like, pastor, I'm so sorry. And the pastor goes, God is good. And the guy goes, all the time. <laughs> it's a sin, right, that leads... That, that could lead unto death if not dealt with and confessed and, and asked for forgiveness. It, if not forgiven, it could have an eternal consequence. But listen, shooting someone the bird is not the same thing as shooting someone with a 9 millimeter. <laughs> like he was able to pull up beside him and bygones are bygones. And now he shared it in a sermon in his church somewhere. And they're probably friends and everybody learned a valuable lesson. But if that guy would have shot that pastor and killed him, Sin is not the same. The consequence would have been different. Yeah, both of them, if not forgiven, will keep you out of heaven, but consequentially, they're not the same. Let me give you three ways that sin is not the same. I'm kind of telling you one, but the first one, it's kind of how we live with these influences, is number one, the consequences on earth. The consequences on earth, they're not the same. Like, like if Pastor John overeats, which he doesn't, but if he's a glutton, right? If he's a glutton, like he can still, he can still lead worship here on Sunday morning. If he overeats on Saturday night and gluttony, he can, he can still come up in that. He may be in pain. He may have to like dismiss himself between some of the sets. And, <laughs> but he can still lead worship. Um, but listen, if... If Saturday night, I find out that Pastor John was smoking dope with some of our teenagers, he can't lead worship on Sunday morning. Like, he's not coming to work that day. There's no like, hell, let's just talk about this and hope nobody finds... No, no, no. You're done, bro. <laughs> you can go worship pastor in Colorado or something because you ain't going to make it down here. <laughs> because consequentially... On earth, sin is not the same. Sin is not the same when it comes to reward. Or it rewards in heaven. There's a judgment seat of Jesus where our actions and our works will be brought to Jesus and tried by fire. And, and how we live and how we act will be judged, not just at the great white throne judgment like what we did with Jesus, but, but how we treated other people. And what we did with the gifts that He gave us. So the rewards in heaven are different. And finally, the punishment in hell is different. The consequences of your sin is different according to the punishment of hell. Luke chapter 20, verse 47. Jesus said this, so I'm going to take Him at His word. I know there's context here, and we can discuss that if you disagree, but it's pretty evident the Pharisees devour Widows' houses. In other words, they take things just to build their own kingdom and pat themselves on the back. The Pharisees devour widows' houses. For a show, they make lengthy prayers. Like, 
Apparently, God doesn't like people to do things just to show off and make themselves look better than other people. These men, watch this, will be punished most severely. As if there is a less severe punishment in the lake of fire. John chapter 19, verse 11. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you, he's talking to Pontius Pilate, he's talking about Judas Iscariot. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. He's talking to Pilate and he says, all sin is not the same because the God that handed me over to you, he knew more than you know and he knew better and he continued in his sin anyways. He handed me over to you and therefore he is guilty of the greater sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. Paul says, run, run. Run from sexual sin. From sexual, listen, every other sin, every other sin except for sexual sin, there is like, there's a, there's a process or there's a, there's a way to deal with it. Scripture will say, give you an answer for it. The answer for sexual sin is to run away from it. It's not to manage it. It's not to mediate it. There is no answer for sexual sin except for running, for for fleeing from that sin, to get out and get away from it. Why does God not give us a process of management? Why does God not give us a way to deal with it? The way to deal with it is to flee it. Flee youthful lust is what he tells Timothy. There is no managing your lust, no managing your immorality. You have to run away from it like your tail is on fire. Because if you don't, it will be. Run from sexual sin. Watch this because all sin is not the same. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one. Sexual sin is immorality. is a sin against your own body. Every other sin is outside of the body. But sexual sin is a sin against your body. And then he goes in Romans 12, 1, he says, and this isn't in your notes, but it just, he says, offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto me. It's amazing. It is amazing to me. Listen, it is amazing to me that we have such a hard time offering our bodies to God in a worship setting, and yet it is so simple to offer our bodies to someone who is sensually pleasing outside of marriage. Why is it so simple? To offer our bodies in a manner in which is unholy before God. And yet it is so hard to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing unto Him. For this is true and proper worship. Because we have a sin nature. And all sin is not the same. It was easy for me. Easy for me to do the wrong thing. Even with the right person that I really loved and cared about. And yet it was so hard for me to learn how to worship God with my body because I have a sin nature that I have to deal with on a daily basis. And listen, sin has consequence. And that's why I'm preaching so heavy on it because sin has consequence. And and if not dealt with, the greatest consequence, the greatest consequence is broken relationship. So it's not that God wants to send you to hell. It's that he doesn't know you. 
And, and listen, you can be the greatest person in the world. You could have the most money in the world. You could have the greatest success that this world has to offer and be a really good guy. But if you show up to my house with your bags packed, ready to come in and live with me, if I don't know you, you cannot come in because I have a family there to protect. That's why God says we need to know him, to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. It doesn't matter if you prophesy in my name and cast out demons in my name and perform many miracles in my name. If I don't know you, I will have to look at you and say, depart from me. You worker of iniquity or you evildoer, I never knew you. It's Matthew 7, 21. Number three, cultural misbelief. It doesn't matter how you live as long as you believe in Jesus. See, some cultures say it doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anybody. Like that's like the United States culture. But the Southern Bible Belt culture is it doesn't matter how you live as long as you believe in Jesus. It doesn't matter how you live as long as you come back on Ash Wednesday and you, yeah, I went there. Because you don't get to act like an idiot on Tuesday night just because you know you're going to confess on Wednesday morning. You don't get to act like an idiot on Saturday just because you know you're going to sit in the sanctuary on Sunday. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. You were bought with a price. Therefore, offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto Him. Don't wait until tomorrow to do what you could do today because God is waiting for you to be forgiven today. You don't get to live however you want to as long as you believe in Jesus. And listen, I, I, I'm really not, I, I hope that that doesn't, I'm not trying to offend your doctrine. I'm not trying to offend this culture. I am attempting with all of my heart to rebuke the lie from the devil that it does not matter how you live as long as you believe in Jesus. I'm telling you that your belief in Jesus should affect everything that you do in life. And you shouldn't be okay with anything less than his best. The third and final thing. See, I told you I could make a soapbox out of this ministry. <laughs> Got to be careful. Because we love you. And I don't care if you're Southern Baptist, Assembly of God, Methodist, Catholic, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, or Atheist. I'm just telling you what the Scripture says. And what I have a conviction in my heart for is to see people truly live God's will for their lives. This is the third and final lie. Since I've already done it, I may as well keep doing it. Since I've already done it, since I already gave away my purity, well, I was already married, so I may as well. I already gave away my virginity so over here, so I may as well. Well, we've already done this. And then I've even heard, well, if you think it, you may as well do it. That's the stupidest. No, no. There's a difference between having a thought and doing an action. Hello, come on, somebody. No. If you think it, then you should stop it there. If you continue in it, you're adding to the consequence. Doesn't matter what you've done. Well, you've already done that. 
uh, that, that drug, alcohol, nicotine, you've already, uh, you've already eaten that way. You formed that habit. You can't do anything about it. You, you, never, you hadn't been exercising for 40 years. Uh, you may as well not start to die. I've already been living here. Oh, come on. We're getting thick. I told y'all we was going to get thick this morning. The body is a temple. Remember, this is the sanctuary. This is not the sanctuary. This is a room with lights and sound. If it burns to the ground this week, Jesus is still going to have his will in this city because you are the church of Jesus Christ in Eunice and the surrounding areas. It doesn't matter. If you've lied before, just lie again. Man, I, I know some people, they, like, they got so good at lying. You, they, you couldn't tell what would... Like, if they believe themselves or not, I know some people, like good people, they can look right, at, right in the face. And some of them are about this tall. I'm like, I saw you do it. If you look once, you may as well look again. If it's not right at home, things aren't going well at home, you may as well open yourself up to at least finding substance somewhere. No, 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 no. Come on, I, you can stop it where it is. See, apparently Paul was having this same problem in Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Verse 1. He just spent Romans chapter 5 explaining the sacrifice of Jesus, that once and for all kind of a payment. And in Romans 5, 20, he says, or 19 and 20, he says, because of one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. But because of one man's obedience, and he was talking about Adam, and, and I want you to notice he doesn't say woman. I thought she sinned first. No, 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 listen, friend. If you're the man that God called you to be, then she will become who she's supposed to be. Just like ladies, that if you're in the room right now and you're single, Jesus is everything that you need to become everything that he created you to be. So guys, don't get in his way. God doesn't have good things for men that get in his way. <laughs> become who he created you to be. In Romans chapter 6, verse 1, after he had just said, because of one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. He starts chapter 6, and actually it's just a continuation of a thought that we add numbers to later. He says, well, should we just keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Watch this. Of course not. One version says, absolutely not. We should not. Well, I'm going to have a bad attitude. I may as well be this too. No, absolutely not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? In other words, if you're a believer, the greatest sign of spiritual maturity is your recognition of how much you need a Savior in Every moment of every day. I had a guy tell me, and, and I can say this now because they're not here. But at one point I had a guy tell me, he was like, man, 
Chris, you know, I, I like your stories. Like, I get it. You're trying to minister to a younger generation. No, I'm not. I'm trying to minister to God's generation. I like your stories. I'm like, you know, Jesus told stories too. We just called them parables in Scripture. Like, he didn't just quote the Old Testament to everybody all the time. I like your stories, and, and you're fun. I like to listen to you, but man, I just, I just wish you'd go a little deeper. You know, I just, I just like the Bible. I just like the Word. Word of God. He didn't say it that way. I'm elaborating. I just like the Bible. I just, I just wish you'd just stick to the Scriptures a little bit more. Listen, listen, catch this. Spiritual maturity is not about how much we know. Spiritual maturity is about how well we obey. And most Christians, most Christians are educated well beyond their level of obedience. Well beyond. And, and me being one, I am way more educated than, I'm a, than I am obedient. And I'm for the deeper things. But listen, the deepest thing that you can do in your walk with Jesus, the greatest sign of spiritual maturity is not studying the scriptures more and more and getting deeper and deeper. There's nothing wrong with that. But the greatest sign of spiritual maturity is that you continue to let Jesus reveal your impurities, work on them and obey him with the scriptures that you have been hearing all of your life. Thank you for, for that great amen. I know it's heavy, right? Pastor, I just I want to dig deeper into Scripture. Well, listen, I just want you to disciple somebody. Like, I want you to lead one person to Jesus this year. How about we all focus on the Great Commission for one year? Just one Scripture. I guarantee you, if we just do that one thing in Matthew 28, I could preach on the Great Commission for the next 365 days and there would still be some people in this sanctuary that have never led anybody to Jesus and are not currently discipling anyone. Did you know that you can be a spiritual glutton? That you just consume and consume and consume. Well, Pastor, I just, if you would just dig deeper and let us know what the Greek and Hebrew originality meant whenever we began. If you would just disciple somebody and quit expecting me to study the scriptures for you. I, I told y'all, I told this, I was like, warned you before. I grew up in this thing. And I watched people go to hell over and over and over again, not because I didn't know but because I wasn't obedient. And when I decided to do something about my obedience, God began to do something with my life. Spiritual maturity is not about how much, most of us don't need to know more. We need to apply what we already know. Because most of us have heard this all of our lives. And we are doing our influence and injustice by not living it out or by only living it out through professional clergy. I don't have time to go there. But we are the church. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are kings and priests equipped to do the ministry of the Lord. Not us, professional clergy, pastors and priests. No, we are all in this thing. 
or it will never get done to the level of which God wanted to do it. Spiritual maturity is about how much we obey. It's not about rules. It's, we're, we're talking about righteousness through relationship here. The saddest thing that I watch is not a sinner continuing in their sin. It's a Christian who knows better continuing in their sin. That's what breaks my heart more than anything else. Not somebody that doesn't know, but somebody who justifies what they do because they're watching this person who is... And by the way, I think that is the most miserable group of people in the entire world. It's not the unbelievers. Listen, guys, the unbelievers are having fun. They haven't caught up with them yet. Until it exposes themselves. Like, sin is fun, right? Until it catches you. Until it exposes itself in your life. Till you look up in your mid-40s and all of a sudden you have a life crisis because you realize that nothing you've been doing up to that point makes any difference. And that's why we have those things. So all of a sudden we get to a place in our life where we're like, man, what have I done with this thing? I'm not standing here like I've got it all figured out. I'm, the most miserable people are, are, are Christians who are not living out God's will for their lives. And, and they, we, we, when we do that, we are affecting God's plan for everybody around us. Friend, listen, that is sin. It's sin. It may be a sin of omission, like something that we should have been doing that we weren't, but it's still sin. And spiritual maturity is not that I would go deeper in the Scripture, which I am. Come this Wednesday night. We're going to have communion. We're going to share together. We're going to get into the Word of God. Because that's a believer's practice. That's why we don't personally do it on Sunday morning. We don't want to leave anybody out. So we have those things on Wednesday night for all of those who want to come and know that we're having it. And we do that as a family of God in remembrance of what Jesus has done for us. And then we're going to go into a series on Revelation. You want deep? Come get your boots on. Let's all jump in together. Try to figure this thing out. Spiritual maturity is not about your depth of understanding in God's Word is about recognizing your own shortcomings. And the closer that we get to Jesus, the more He reveals the impurities in our lives. The closer we get to Jesus, the more He sheds light on the darkness. Come on, don't let me lose you in the last five minutes. Oh, it's, it's not that big of a deal. What I do doesn't really, how I live doesn't really matter. Like, God understands me. Listen, friend, my dad said that about a year before he had a massive heart attack. And went to be with Jesus, I hope. Because I can't stand here and give you confidence that my father is with Jesus when I know that right before he had a heart attack, he had just had sex with his girlfriend. I can't do that. Now I can explain to you why I may believe it or why I may have some confidence in it. But that was just confirmation that I didn't want to become anything less than everything that God had for me to be. Because sin is progressive. It doesn't just sit there and go, oh, well, I'm just glad I got them to this point. I'm going to leave them alone now. No, 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 no. You look once, you learn how to look more and be okay with it. You take once, you learn how to take more and be okay. You lie once, you learn how to lie more and be okay with it. How did David go from a man after God's own heart to somebody that was perving on women that were bathing on the rooftops? Because he stayed home when he should have been out. 
How did he go from somebody that was just looking and watching a woman bathe to drawing her up in the room? You don't think he had fun that night with Bathsheba? I bet he had a great time. But a year later, whenever he was laying on the floor in sackcloth because he hadn't eaten for a week and he was dwelling over his sin and his past because his baby was dying and God wouldn't answer his prayer, he realized the consequence of his sin. And he didn't get up there and he didn't stay and dwell in that place over the sin of his past. He got up, he washed his face, he went and ate and he said, listen, he can't come back to me, but I can go to him. Because of who God is, I can be different today. Because the closer that I get to Jesus, the more like him I can become. Oh, it's not a big deal. I'm not hurting anybody. It's not a big deal. I believe in Jesus. Listen, friend, it hurts God. Chris, how, are you, how does this flow out of you so naturally? It's like, it's so easy for me to preach this because this is who I was. Like, I, I've spent 21 years of my life learning how to be really good at this. And I learned how to hurt God and be callous to the conviction. I learned how to hurt other people and move on to somebody else. I learned how to be hurt myself and dip my way out of it. So I get it. I've been there. I was this person. But thank God my heart never hardened. Because the moment that your heart hardens, you begin to separate the distance between sin and repentance. But listen, listen. As long as you remain softened to the Holy Spirit, and I hope that you are right now. As long as you remain softened to the Holy Spirit, there is a short different distance between sin and repentance. And His name is Jesus. See, sin will cost you more and take you further than you ever wanted to go. But listen to me, friend. Sin will cost you more and take you further than you ever wanted to go. But so will Jesus. <laughs> He's so good every time sin will mess you up sin will it will be consequentially more than you can bear at one point or another but when you see yourself as a sinner you see your need for a savior listen listen Jesus is a friend of sinners he says I don't call you a slave I call you friend because that's what he does see 1 Corinthians 10 13 no temptation shall overcome you except such as common to man but God is faithful hang on hang on I want to make sure you see something I didn't say it right it doesn't say but it says and Like, not only are you only going to face something that everybody else is facing too, or somebody else has already faced before, no temptation will overcome you in such as common to man. And, and God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to bear. But when you are tempted, He will provide a way out. A way. He is the way. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. John 1 verse 8. uh, 1 John 1 8 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth 
is not in us. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, come on somebody, if we confess our sins, remember, God is faithful and just. He will forgive us of our sin and purify us. We don't have to be shocked by purity. We can live in purity. He will purify us from all unrighteousness. When culture says it doesn't matter, so you remember that, that sin is the greatest enemy, enemy to intimacy with God. But Jesus is a friend of sinners. That sin will cost you more and take you further. But Jesus is a friend of sinners. That the consequence is painful and heavy and it hurts God and it hurts you and it hurts others. But Jesus is a friend of sinners. Jesus made a way. Jesus gave us the truth. And Jesus brought us the life. We don't have to stay away from Jesus because he is the way out of our sin. He is the way out of our shame. He is the way out of our sorrow. He is the way out of our disobedience. He is the Jordan River. Come on. He is the wall breaker. He is the one that sets us free from everything that holds us back. He is the one that makes us a help and not a hindrance, an example and not an excuse. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He will always give us a way out. When culture says it doesn't matter, you got to remember that that is a pit from the lie and the lie from a pit of hell from the enemy himself but what does matter is that Jesus made a way and he will always make it available to us if we'll confess Father right where you are I just God right now I just pray that you would help us help us in this room Lord would you speak to the heart of every person in this room right now God, for those who are sitting in this room and they've been trapped in the same thing for years. They've been bound by the same guilt. You spoke to it in prayer earlier, God. Right now, we just, I just lift up these people to you and I pray, God, that you would help us to be, to be completely honest. God, for those in the room who, who have been getting closer to you and, and you're revealing new things and, and new impurities and new imperfections, God, I pray that we wouldn't hold on to those things, but that we would let them go and learn how to live for you despite of them. God, hand them over to you. Listen, right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm speaking to those who are following Jesus. Like, you're fighting the good fight, but you find yourself continuing to do the things that you don't want to do and not doing the things that you do desire. Maybe Jesus is showing you an area of your life right now that, that you need to confess before God so that you can grow. An area of your life right now that God is revealing to you as, as less than perfect, less than holy of what he has for you. And God is saying right now to you, hey, hey, I, I love you. Let me work on this. Let me work. Let's work on this. If you're following Jesus and you're fighting the good fight, but but you've got some things that you know you need to hand over to him. Let him deal with. Why not you just lift your hand right where you are and say, that's me. Hand, hands up. Come on, be honest today. Don't look around. This is what's wrong with Christianity. We're too worried about what other people think instead of just confessing what God already knows. Come on, that's me. Man, I... closer I get to Jesus, the more I see that I need to get rid of. The 
closer I get to Jesus, the, the more he sheds light on the things that I need to do something about or let him do something about. Father, right now, I just, for the honesty and, and the obedience in the room, Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name that you would not just remind us that you are faithful and just, but that you would show us, Lord, that you would help us to sense your presence. God, that we would grow in spiritual maturity and study your word and pray and develop an authentic relationship with you. That through relationship with you, we would be made righteous. That by your power, you are conforming us into Christ's image. That by your power, you are calling us to continue to grow and be sanctified and holy. Not given to the things that we used to be given to. God, by your spirit and by your power, you're calling us to not just hoard what we have and to learn more on top of what we already know, but to share it with others, to lead somebody else into a relationship with you, to disciple one person this year. Before we get our stuff together, listen, before we look around or do anything else, and as the church begins to pray right now, I just want to ask, and this will only be by the Holy Spirit, but if you're in this room right now and, and you know you have not been following Jesus, you have not been living for Him. If you were to be honest today, you'd be scared to death if you had to stand before God because you have not confessed Him as Lord. You've just been living in sin. You hadn't even been fighting for it. You hadn't even been trying to struggle. It's not about rules or religion. It's about having a relationship with Jesus. And you know today that Jesus doesn't know you because you haven't been getting to know him. But listen, you're who he died for. You're who he gave his life for. If by faith, right where you are, you want to give your life to Jesus today, you want to confess him as Lord, Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. If you want to leave this place saved, I just want you to lift your hand in faith right where you are. Say, preacher, that's me. I just need you to pray over me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? You're in here today and you know you haven't been. Thank you, I see you. You're not living for Jesus and you want to. You haven't been following Jesus and you want to. You're not saved and you want to be. Church, I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to pray it even louder than them so that their confidence will be in speaking and, and professing out loud what God desires to do in their heart. Come on, pray this prayer with me. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. All of the areas where I fall short. The wages, the penalty is death. But you came to give life forgive me take my life make it yours may I follow you with all of my heart from this day forward in Jesus name everybody said come on can you praise him in his house today